Well, currently we're in a message series called The Book of Life. We're talking about the Bible, God's Word. And I'd like you to, if you've got a Bible, if you don't, your Bible this morning is the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It's got some of the Bible written out in it. You might want to raise it up and say, repeat with me. The words are up on the screen. This is my Bible. God's Word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I will follow your righteous laws. The Bible is the most important book to us as believers in the world. And we want to follow everything that it says. Today my message is entitled, Strengthened by the Word. Now, God has incredible plans for your life and my life. Plans that he created for you before you were born. Before the world was formed, God had plans in mind for your life. And those plans are not just about you. Now, God wants to meet your needs. God wants to solve your problems. He wants to bring healing into your life. But that's not the end of the story. All too often people stop with that. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I need. But God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you so you can impact your world for Jesus Christ. God wants to bless you so that you can lead others to Jesus Christ. And those incredible plans that God has for your life are so incredible. And guess what? You can't do them in your own strength. They're impossible. You can't possibly do it without God's help. You need God's strength to do God's will. You need to be strengthened by the Word of God. The first passage we're going to look at today before we get to our main passage is the very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. It's often called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a summary of God's incredible plan for your life. Not just for the Elliots going to Zambia, but for you and I here in St. Louis in the year 2013. You might have heard this before, but my wife and I have engraved on our wedding rings on the inside. You'd have to have a microscope to see it, but it says Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Those, those are our key verses for our marriage in our life. And yet many believers are misled and they think that the Great Commission is not for them. It's only for pastors. It's only for missionaries. And, you know, I'm just an ordinary Jane or Joe, and I don't understand how it's for me. But the truth of the matter is, this Great Commission applies to each and every believer, each and every disciple of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and you can follow along in the white page. I already mentioned it in the middle of your bulletin. It has these scriptures written out. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what is the essence of the Great Commission? The essence of the Great Commission is if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then God's plan for your life is to make more disciples. 
Jesus is going to go with you, he said. He's going to give you the authority. He's going to give you the strength to carry out that plan. And so the Great Commission isn't really about us, is it? The Great Commission is about people who are not yet believers and reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the good news. And so the Great Commission has an intensely outward focus. It's not just an inward focus. The Great Commission is about committing yourself and your life to something bigger than you, bigger than your ideas and needs and wants. And God wants to strengthen us to bring it about. Now, what are some ways that we can obey Jesus' command in the Great Commission? You can tell people about Jesus. Yes, you can do it. You actually can do it. The vast majority of you know enough to tell somebody about Jesus. If you're a believer, you know how you became a believer. You can tell somebody how to become a believer. You can bring people to church to hear about Jesus. You can give money beyond the tithe to enable the church to reach out and to support missionaries around the world. You can serve in a church ministry. You can influence others outside the church by standing up for God's truth. So much around us is not God's truth. So much around us is speaking things that are not true as if they were true. And we need to stand up for the truth. And the list could go on and on. The bottom line is if you're a believer here today, God wants you to be a leader for him. So not me. I, you know, I'm not the leader type. Everybody is a leader of one kind or another. You're either leading people toward Jesus or you're leading people away from him by your life. If you say nothing, you're leading people away from him. If you say something for Jesus, you're leading people to him. Let's look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Now this is about the end of times. And we're studying that Sunday morning in, the, in our growth class. If you haven't taken advantage of that, I'd encourage you to. Next Sunday we're off, but the Sunday after that we'll be back at 8.30 it's a great time of digging deeper into God's Word. We'd encourage you to come for that. It says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so these verses talk about what's going to happen at the end time when Jesus returns to this earth. Everyone who has died will be resurrected. The believers will be raised to eternal life in heaven and the unbelievers will be raised to eternal death in hell forever and ever. The next verse, verse 3, is a, is a Hebrew parallelism. We see this a lot in the book of Proverbs and in, in Psalms and here and in Daniel. It's two phrases that say the same thing in different ways. The first phrase says, the wise will shine in eternity. And who are these wise? Well, the wise are those who lead many to righteousness. That's what you do if you're a wise person. And believers are wise people because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's the wisest decision you can possibly make in life. And those that lead many to righteousness will shine like stars. They are the ones who will inherit eternal life. And so as believers, our destiny, our God's plan for our lives is to lead others to Jesus Christ with everything that we do. And so today we want to learn how we can be strengthened by the word of God so that we can be leaders to lead people to Jesus Christ. 
To be a strong leader, we need to forget the past. We're going to look at a passage from Joshua chapter 1 and apply it to our lives this morning. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. And so our passage begins with the death of Moses. Moses was a great leader, one of the greatest leaders in the, in the Bible. He led Israel for 40 years. He led Israel out of bondage in Egypt. He took them through all the time in the desert and led them to the very brink of entering the promised land. And during all that time, Joshua had been Moses' aide. He had been Moses' helper. But now Moses was gone. And all these people of Israel were now going to be led by Joshua. And so Joshua had to forget the past. He had to forget the past 40 years. Moses was gone. Moses couldn't help him. He wasn't just going to follow somebody else. Now he had to be the leader. Things were going to be different now. Everything was going to change. And God spoke to Joshua about getting ready for the future. God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Underline those two words. Get ready. God wants you to get ready for something. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And so the future that God had for Joshua was completely different than the plan and purpose he had for Moses. It was something new. It was a new adventure. It was entering into the promised land. And God tells Joshua to get ready. And to get the people ready as well. Because this was going to be something unlike anything they'd ever experienced before. God was going to give them the land of promise. That he had promised to their forefathers. Many hundreds and thousands of years before. God was going to give them that land. And carry out his plans for them. Because God wanted to bless them. He says in verse 3 and 4. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And so God had given a promise to Moses that the land of Israel would be theirs. And now Joshua was being called by God to lead Israel into that land to inherit the promise. And so God explained the dimensions of, of the blessing, this huge land that they were going to enter into, that Joshua was going to read, lead the people into. Now, when we read a story like that, something that happened thousands of years ago, we first need to understand what happened, what happened to Joshua, what was going on uh, in the context, what happened, uh, how Moses had led the people before and the promises that were given. But then we need to understand how it applies to our lives today. And in this story, I believe that you and I are meant to identify with Joshua. Now, sometimes in biblical stories, we are not to identify somebody. It's like, don't be like this person. But in this case, God wants us to be like Joshua. And we can learn a lesson from his story. God's word and his instructions to Joshua can be, be applied to us in our lives, even though we're in a very different situation than the situation Joshua was in. God has a plan for your life, just as he had a plan for Joshua's life. And... In a sense, God has a promised land that God wants you to conquer for him. Now, I don't know what land God has for you. The land that God has for each one of us is different. 
But it has to do with the Great Commission, I believe. It has to do with leading other people to righteousness, leading many to righteousness. Perhaps your land, your promised land, the, the destiny that God has for you is leading a spouse to the Lord, a spouse who doesn't know God. Or perhaps it's leading a child to the Lord. Or maybe it's leading a relative, a co-worker, a friend. In order for that to happen, you need to forget the past. You'll say, well, I've tried everything. They don't listen. It's hard. God wants you to forget the past. The things you've tried that haven't worked, He wants your faith to grow for a different future. To get ready for something new that your life can be used to lead other people to Jesus Christ. A future that God wants to give to you. A future where you're, you're going to see the fulfillment of God's promise for your life. A future where no one can stop God's plan. God says to Joshua in verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now what was God saying to Joshua here? He was saying to Joshua that if, if Joshua followed God's instructions, and we'll get to those in a minute, that nobody could stop the plan that God had for him. But if Joshua didn't follow God's plan, well then all bets are off. But God gave him the plan. And if Joshua followed God's plan then the fulfillment of his plan for his life was assured. He was going to lead Israel into the land of promise. Nobody can stop God's plan for your life because God is with you. God goes on to say in the second part of verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now do those words sound familiar? They should, because in the Great Commission, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you forever to the very end of the age. He's never going to leave us. Joshua might have been tempted to think that he could never lead the people of Israel the way that Moses had. He would just never measure up. But God assured Joshua that as he was with Moses, so he was going to be with him. He was the same God. And he strengthened Moses, and he was going to strengthen Joshua to carry out the task. And so Joshua could be strong and courageous to lead the people of Israel. Verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Now that first phrase is a command, is it not? Be strong and courageous. Now why would God give such a command to Joshua? Because Joshua felt weak and discouraged, probably. He wasn't strong and courageous. And so God says, be strong and courageous. That's what you have to be to lead these people. I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. I know you're tempted to be weak and afraid, but I want you to be strong and courageous. You will lead these people. I am going to strengthen you. You're going to lead this whole nation to accomplish the purpose that I have for it. You see, it wasn't just a Sunday stroll in the park to inherit this promised land. There were other people living there. Wicked, decadent societies with strong armies who really didn't want to be pushed out of their homes. 
But yet God was going to use Israel as an instrument of his judgment to judge these nations and drive them out so that Israel could enter into the land that he had promised to them. So how does this apply to us? Well, the plan that God has for your life, the plan that God has for my life, the plan that God has for us to be a light to shine in this dark society, in this dark world, cannot be stopped if you're strong and courageous. And so God says to each one of us, be strong and courageous. And never think that you're going through life alone because I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. God is calling each person here to be a leader in life to many of those around you who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Now in America, many people still think they know Jesus, but they don't. What are the characteristics of a leader for God? A leader believes that God is with them. A leader believes that God has a plan that they are following. They're not following their own plan. They're following God's plan. A leader makes a choice to be strong and courageous. They don't give in to worry. They don't give in to fear. They choose to be strong and courageous. Yes, you're going to be tempted to feel weak. You're going to be tempted to be discouraged. But God's leaders... Make a choice to be strong and courageous. God did not say to Joshua, you are strong and courageous. He said, be strong and courageous. And that's God's word to us today. Say, oh, Pastor Dan, I, I'm not, I don't feel strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, God says to you. I'm going to help you to be strong and courageous. I'm going to strengthen you. So let's look a little more closely at the conditions that Joshua needed to fulfill in order to accomplish God's plan. He needed to be careful to obey God's word. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now, I'm not stuttering this morning. This is the second time. That God speaks to Joshua and says, be strong and courageous. And he says here, be strong and very courageous. He's emphasizing it. God doesn't waste words. He wants to make sure that Joshua heard it. He wants to make sure that you and I hear it today. And then God commanded Joshua to be careful to obey some of God's word. Well, did I get that wrong? Uh, no, he said... To obey all of God's word. Now today, people pick and choose. I like this part. God is love. Oh, I love that part. God is holy. Oh, I don't like that part. God is going to judge. I don't like that part. We are to obey all of God's word. And he said, be careful to obey all of God's word. Are we careful to obey all of God's word? That means we study God's word to understand it. We study God's word to see how it applies to our life. And, and we're careful. We're not careless. What's the opposite of being careful? It's being careless with God's word. We're careful with God's word. We honor God's word. God's word is like a path. 
And obedience keeps, to God's word keeps us on that right path. And where, when you're on that right path of obedience to God's word, you're safe. God is going to surround you with his protection. God is going to lead you to fulfill his plan. Disobedience tempts us, or we're tempted to disobey, which is going to take us off the right path. That would be turning to the right, to the left. You see, we have a direction to go in our lives. It's not just go wherever you want. Some people think, God, just, you're saved and just go wherever you want. Everything's fine. No, God has a path for your life. And you need to stay on that path. And you're going to be tempted to go off to the right. You're going to be tempted to go off to the left. But obedience keeps you on the right path when you're careful to obey. And when you're obeying God's word, when you're on the right path, you're going to be successful. Who wants to be successful in life? Okay, 50%. Okay, what do the rest of you want to be? Uh, I want to be successful in life. Now, success in life, we have to be careful with these words because what the Bible means and what we might think they mean may be two different things. Success in life in the Bible has nothing to do with the typical American view of success, necessarily. That I'm going to make a lot of money, that I'm going to be uh, famous, that I'm going to be influential. Now, you might be those things. That might be your success in life, but not necessarily at all. There's people who have been successful in life in God's eyes who are martyred for their faith. There are people that have been successful in God's eyes who never owned a house, who never had a car to drive, but yet they've been successful. For you see, success for Joshua, success in God's eyes, is simply fulfilling God's plan for your life. And that's different for each and every person. So don't look to somebody else. Because God has a unique plan for your life. And he wants you to be successful in that plan. In Joshua's case, God's plan for his life was to lead Israel to conquer and inherit the promised land. God's word will make you successful. Remember what success means again. Verse 8. God says to Joshua, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So how is Joshua going to be careful to obey God's word? Here, God gives Joshua two additional instructions. First of all, do not let God's word depart from your mouth. What does that mean? Sometimes you just read things over and, you know, we don't talk exactly like that. And the meaning just goes over our heads. What does that mean? It means Joshua needed to talk about God's word. When he spoke, it had to be as if the, uh, God was speaking through him. He wouldn't just speak careless words. He wouldn't speak words that were dishonoring to God or dishonoring to another person. He was to speak as if God were to speak were speaking. He was to speak God's word. When he spoke, it was as if he was speaking God's word. Now, not that he was speaking, you know, reciting chapter and verse, but he was speaking God's truth. It didn't depart from his mouth. 
Secondly, God instructed Joshua to meditate on God's word. The first part is speaking God's word. The second part is meditating. Thinking about it. Reading it over. How does it apply to my life? How does it apply to God's plan for my life? How does it apply to this nation of Israel that I am to lead? I want to understand it. I want to be careful to do. That's repeated here again, isn't it? Be careful to do everything written in it. Again, these words, be careful. And then God repeats his promise. If you do my word, you will be prosperous and successful. Again, to prosper in God's plan for your life does not mean you're going to be a millionaire necessarily. The Bible says people who want to get rich cause great trouble in their lives. That's not to be the goal of a believer, to win the lottery or get rich. God wants you to be prosperous and successful so that you can fulfill his plan for your life. He wants you to have everything you need to fulfill his plan for your life. And some people's, God's plan for some people's life requires more financial resources than others. And so, and others don't require as much. Each plan is different. But God wants each person to be prosperous and successful. To have enough to meet your own needs and enough to give away to help somebody else. And finally, God says, don't be discouraged or afraid. Verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Wow. How many times has God said this now? Who's keeping track? This is the third time, isn't it? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So this is the third time he commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. And then he repeats the command in the inverse way. The opposite way. He says, don't be terrified, which is the opposite of being strong. Don't be discouraged. That's the opposite of being courageous. And why did he say that to Joshua? Joshua was a little terrified and a little discouraged right then. That's why he said it. But God didn't want him to remain that way. He needed to be strong and courageous to accomplish God's purpose and plan. And why could he go through life not being terrified and discouraged? Because God was with him. Now just think about that for a minute. If God was with Joshua, how could he fail? If Joshua was carrying out God's plan, that there was nothing to be afraid of. There was nothing to be discouraged about. As long as Joshua was careful to obey God's word, everything was going to work out. And if you read the entire book of Joshua, you'll find that Joshua obeyed God. And he was successful in carrying out God's plan for his life. Although there were numerous difficulties and trials along the way. And so in these last three verses of our passage today, we see the importance of God's word in strengthening Joshua to carry out the task God was calling him to. And in the same way, God's word is essential for us to be successful in what God is calling us to do. I believe in my heart that God calls every believer to carry out the Great Commission. That's the heartbeat of God's plan for your life. Why has God given you the job that you have? You ever thought about that? 
Well, most people would say, well, so I, I can meet my needs and my family's needs. That's certainly true. That's certainly not the only reason. I believe that God has given each of us the jobs that we have because God has put around us people that God wants, to, wants us to influence for Jesus Christ. And so when you go to work in the morning, tomorrow on Monday, what are you thinking about? All the things you have to do and how to stay on your boss's right side and you know, all the difficulties and problems. and Now, we do have to think about those things. Don't get me wrong. But are you also thinking about, how can I let my light shine for Jesus today? How can I do that? Somebody said, well, you know, Pastor Dan, you don't understand. I, I just can't go around preaching at people on my job. I'm going to get fired. Well, don't do that, okay? Unless God calls you to, but he probably isn't going to call you to do that. But God would say to you, be strong and courageous. I will help you find a way to be a light on your job. I will help you find a way to stand for me. I will help you find a way to let people know that you're a believer and those that I'm calling you to minister to, I will open the door for you to talk to them. It's possible. You know, for many years I worked at Monsanto and I couldn't go down preaching the halls. But I talked to many people about Jesus Christ. We had Bible studies there. Encouraged by the management. There are ways if you pray and seek God. God has given you your job so you can support outreach. So that the money you make is not just for your own needs, it's so you can support the church, and missions around the world through your giving of tithes and offerings. In some people, God has given jobs where they make considerably more than they need for themselves so that they can be an extra blessing and expand the kingdom work around the world. We could go on and ask, why has God put you in the neighborhood you are living in? Well, I found a cheap house there or the rent wasn't too bad. Yeah, but maybe there's something more than that. Maybe God put you there because there's people in your neighborhood, people who live close to you, that he wants you to influence for him. Why has God brought you to Life Church? To cooperate with other believers here in reaching more people for Jesus. As we work together, we can accomplish more than we could do by ourselves. And how are we going to receive the strength to be successful in God's plan for our lives? By being careful to obey God's word with the help of the Holy Spirit. By choosing to be strong and courageous and not giving in to fear and discouragement. By encouraging one another. How many times does the Bible say, encourage one another? Why do we need to do that? Well, it's pretty easy to get discouraged, isn't it? And we need to encourage one another. You can do everything that God has planned for you to do. Because God himself is with you. Now to be strengthened by the word of God. You need to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You need to take that first step of believing what God's word says about him. And choosing to put your faith in him. To do that you need to admit. That you agree with the Bible. 
which says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You need to admit that you sinned. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross. That your sins might be forgiven. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross that you might be forgiven. And finally, you need to commit your life to serve him and his plan for your life as your Lord and Savior. To become a believer doesn't mean I just want to escape hell and go to heaven. No, to become a believer means to say Jesus is my Lord and I'm going to follow him every step of the way in this life as well as in eternity. And so let's bow our heads right now and we're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or to recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. God knows your thoughts. You don't need to even pray out loud if you don't feel comfortable. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been doing what I wanted to do with my life. I haven't been following your plan for my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow your plan for my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.